I got a word, and I, I thought it was for just a person. This was about two or three weeks ago. But as I wrote the word down, I went, you know what? I'm grabbing onto this word, and it's probably going to be a word for everybody. But the word was rest. And then uh, the Lord said, the world will continue without you being about many things 24-7. I need you rested so that you can be your best at a few. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then he started, he gave me this. He said, Martha was busy about many things, but Mary chose what is best. And then I heard it like the command, choose to enter my rest. And then he gave me uh, Hebrews 49.11, and that verse says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following uh, the, their example of disobedience. So that's for all of us. Choose to enter his rest. Sorry, I don't have one of those... Uh, I don't have what you have. I have to have it on paper. <laughs> but I'm waiting, and believe me, for that, to get one soon. I want to just read um, some scriptures of faith, because I personally believe that when the word of God goes forth, it's powerful to create and inspire and stir up. So I just want to read some verses of scripture before I really get into this message. And the first one is the scripture, faith is the sub substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. And one thing that really stood out to me with this particular verse is the fact that God calls faith a substance. Did you ever really think about that? That there's actual substance to our faith, which is something invisible that we can't see. And there was one day where I was getting that, thinking on it, and God gave me suddenly this picture of this great big huge cumulus cloud with thunder and lightning and all this stuff happening. And all of a sudden I heard him say, Debbie, your faith has moved mountains. And it just, you know, kind of undid me. It was like, I wouldn't it, feeling really tremendously good on that particular day and moment anyway, but so it was a word of encouragement. But I started to think about that, and as I was seeing that vision with the thunder and the lightning, it was like God just really penetrated my spirit with, you can't see your faith either, but your faith is as powerful and mighty as when you see and cannot understand or visibly see what's causing the lightning and all that stuff happening. So... I grabbed onto that and I went, well, God, I want to have a faith that really, that really continues to move mountains, and I hope they're bigger mountains than what you're already talking about. And then, okay, another verse, the just shall live by faith, that's Romans, according to your faith, be it unto you. I won't read all the scriptures because it will take longer. If you have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, be removed, and it shall be removed. Thy faith has made you whole. All things are possible to him who believes. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. A man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Now, there's one to think about. We walk by faith, not by sight. By grace, you are saved through faith. He who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous ones will, have, will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, un um, unstable in all that he does. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. A man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Fight the good fight of faith earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. 
Be not afraid, only believe. All things are possible to him that believes. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet they have believed. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. By faith you stand. And I love this last one, and I I put it last on purpose, because I, I feel like this would be a good way to end your life. Like the Apostle Paul saying, I have fought a good fight of faith. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And something that God's put in my heart, I, I mean, I would let, personally, I can't help it. It's just something that's in me. But I just have a faith to believe that I'm going out in the rapture. I believe that there is not a shadow of a doubt in my mind that we can very, very potentially be the generation that sees the Lord's return. But if I don't, I want it to be said of me, I want to be remembered, is that she believed God and it was credited to her as righteousness. I would just love that. You know, here's the thing, like, in, you know, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and it's commending all the great saints of old. Every single one of them were commended for faith. They weren't commended for any great exploit. They weren't commended for how well they kept themselves, you know, in such good standing. Everything they were commended for was by faith. It was by faith women saw their dead raised. It was by faith they shut the mouths of, light, of lions. It was by faith they escaped fires. By, by faith, by faith, by faith. So really what I want to present to you guys today is um, basically Romans 10.10, which says, when we were saved, we heard the word of God, we believed it with our heart, and we're justified by faith believing that, okay? That's how we got saved. And what I want to say to you, what God has been teaching me, is it's the same thing with apprehending healing or anything else for our lives. You cannot add anything to the finished work of the cross. The finished work of the cross is inclusive. I mean, in God's redemptive plan, healing was all a part of it. It wasn't just salvation. It wasn't just everything we need for life and godliness, which is provided. But it's finances. It's healing. It's all of those things. It's all, you know, the whole enchilada. So anyway, so God has taken me on this journey concerning faith and healing. And um, well, before I get into it, I felt like, yeah, he wants me to hang on. I want to go into just a few examples in scripture where Jesus did heal people. And it's interesting, like in Matthew 4, it says that he went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness among the people. There's nowhere in there that it says he healed only this kind or that kind or this person or that person. He healed every kind of sickness and disease. And it also says in the scriptures that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he is always the same, something's wrong in our day, in our modern society, particularly in America, and I don't think it's God. I am fully persuaded that the crux of it, the real issue, is, a, is an issue of faith. I'm totally convinced of that. And I'll tell you why here in a minute. But just to give you some examples. Okay, remember the woman with the issue of blood? Okay, so she says to herself, but, you know, I've got to picture this. When you read these scriptures, the one thing I feel like I see is I see people that there's a tenacity. I see that there's an element of like, it's not a, a mere intellectual thought. There's something going on in their heart that's passionate, that is um, extreme even in a lot of cases. 
But in her heart, it was, if I can just reach out and touch him, I will be healed. And we know the story. She does, and he feels the virtue go out, and he says, take heart, daughter, your faith has healed you. But something he showed me here recently was before she touched him, it was the ruler's daughter who had died. Do you remember that story? Okay, it was the rich young, or the, no, not rich, young, but I don't know if he was rich or not. Anyway, he was a ruler. I didn't write it all down, so I can't. I'm not like my husband who can remember so many details in every verse in Scripture. No, no, no. He gets it all. Well, anyway, so <clears throat> the ruler's daughter had died, and he says to Jesus, My daughter has died, but come and put your hand on her, and she will live. Well, in the Scriptures, it says he was going on his way, and his disciples were going with him to go and heal her. But it was when he was on his way that this woman reached out and touched him. You go to the scriptures, I'm telling you, that's exactly how the story goes. And I got to thinking, you know, here's Jesus going on his way to heal somebody, but somebody that had the boldness and the faith to reach out and touch him got a healing while he was going to heal somebody else. Like, how cool is that? I mean, if he's really like that, then, you know, we can all get a healing no matter how many people he's already going about to heal. He's still going to touch our faith. And then you got... um, I love the centurion one, you know, he says, speak forth only your word and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus responds, go, it'll be done just as you believed it would. And then Jesus remarks further, he says, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. You know, that's the thing, Jesus is always commending faith. I never hear Jesus commend anybody's great acts or great deeds or anything except their faith. It's faith that pleases God. We've got to remember that, you guys, when we're, when we're looking for God to um, break us through a, a, a trial, whether we're waiting to be healed or we're waiting for a financial breakthrough. Everything is by faith. You have to always settle the matter in your heart that the foundation is. It's a finished work. Christ did it on the cross. All of it's provided. We apprehend it through faith. And um, again, healing is the same way. Okay, there was the Canaanite woman whose daughter was demon-possessed. This is a really good story where he, sa- he says to her, which would be a bold, you know, almost a mean insult, but she understood what he was saying. He says, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And she answers, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus responds, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. And again, it's like, you know, he was basically saying to her, no, it's for the children of Israel. It's not for the Gentiles. But what do you think prompted her? It had to be her faith. It had to be a boldness of faith to go, I still believe you'll heal me or do this for me. And uh, this also stood out to me um, that there were many others in, in the New Testament that got healed by touching Jesus. It wasn't just that one woman. Uh, where is this verse? This verse is Matthew... 35 and 36. Wait, I didn't put what chapter, darn. Well, you have to go find it. I don't think I put the chapter down. It's verses 35 and 36. But it's really there, I promise you. And it says, And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all the surrounding region and brought to him all that were sick and begged him that they may only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Okay, so there's enough in Scripture, right, that tells us he's always willing. So it isn't, the issue is not 
Jesus not being willing to heal. Okay, so I want to get into some things. Um, what really revolutionized my place of faith, believing for healing, well, some of it was through personal experience that I went through a number of years ago, but primarily I would say Kenneth Hagin, the way that man teaches on healing, I highly recommend. In fact, I'm going to read something out of this book, but I've been in this book. It's, it's written like a daily devotional but it's packed with his teaching and backing it up with the word of God. You can read it like just, you know, one page a day, but um, I'm telling you, it just changed my life. I, I feel like I was catapulted into such a place of faith that I never walked in before because I'm completely persuaded that it's the truth, that the word of God is true and that there is no argument over that. Anyway, it's called Health Food. I highly recommend it. So I've been reading this book and he gives so many examples. See, here's what he teaches. He says, you know, there's three ways that the Bible talks about being healed, okay? The laying on of hands, there's being anointed in James chapter 5, call the elders of the church, they'll anoint you with oil, and those that are sick will be healed. And then he goes, but you know what? There's a third way, and here's a man that had a healing ministry for, I don't know, 20-something plus years, maybe more, I forget. And he saw people healed over and over again that just simply believed the word of God. Nobody prayed. Nobody did anything. His testimony himself, I think he was 17 years old, and he had an incurable blood disease. He was bedridden for like three years, couldn't get out of bed. He had a serious, serious heart condition. The doctors had given him up for death, okay, over and over and over again. But his testimony is that somewhere, somehow, he, well, first of all, you have to be saved because, you know, the word of God says that it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But when we're born again, the word of God becomes alive and we understand it and it makes sense. So he gets the word of God into him and he just says, you know, I took it into my heart and I just believed it. And he just kept, he would refute everything from that point on that was spoken over him. So he's miraculously healed. He's not been sick one day since God raised him out of that bed. And he has witnessed and seen countless thousands of people healed because he walked in an incredible healing ministry. But the one thing he teaches people, and I just think this is so important to grab onto this, you guys. Like when people come up and, and they want to get healed, he'll lay hands on them. You know, this is like after the service, lays hands on them. And he says, I can usually feel the power go out, but not always. Sometimes there's a manifestation of heat, you know, or some kind of power going into the person as he prays, but sometimes there's not. But he said what he would teach them is don't let your healing be, you know, something you grab onto and believe for because you're waiting for a manifestation. Because he said that's not what it is. He, he would always give them the word of God. He would always teach on what the word has to say. And the, and the people would be able, he, he, they begin to start, when he first started his ministry, they started seeing powerful healings because he's teaching the word and people are starting to grab on it and believe it. So their faith is rising and they're, they're able to believe to see, you know, healings, miraculous healings. But he, he gives all kinds of um, different situations. Well, anyway, I don't want to get ahead of myself because I wanted to go through some of these ones that he talks about too, that in the healing process, you need to always seek God first and foremost. You know, I mean, God has sure taught me that. And sometimes God will say something different to different people. He may lead one person down a journey on 
uh, natural foods. He may take somebody else to a doctor. Uh, my personal testimony is he hardly let doctors touch me at all, and it was really, really hard. But it was the whole, the word of the Lord was, trust me, trust me, trust me. And there's some examples in scripture of people that uh, it was an act of obedience that actually released the healing. Uh, Naaman is one of them. He was told by the prophet Elisha to go down to the Jordan River. Remember that story, dip seven times? He did it, and I love this. It says, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. It was clean. And, you know, again, an act of obedience. I love the story about Hezekiah. Here, here's a king, okay, the great prophet Isaiah comes to him and says, put your house in order because you're going to die. And basically, it's like, you're going to die. Well, how many of us, if a, you know, say a great prophet of today came up to you and said you were going to die, what would be your first thought you'd entertain? I love what Hezekiah did, though. He turned his face to the wall, and he cries out to God. He's not accepting this. He's crying out to God, and what does God do? He sends Isaiah back, and I think it's interesting that what he commanded Isaiah to do was a natural poultice that he put on the boil, and Isaiah was healed, and God added 15 years to his life. Well, you could say, well, put somebody else in that situation who would have just accepted the verdict. Maybe what would happen? I think what we accept in our hearts, you guys, with any situation that comes down the pike, it has a great deal to do with how fast we get out of a trial, maybe, and, but primarily how much we're going to conquer or win. It's all faith. Everything is so built on faith. Um, there's that blind man that Jesus healed, remember, and the Holy Spirit told him to spit in the ground, and he puts dirt in his eyes. I mean, it sounds really weird, but if it's, if it's obeying God, that's the way you get healed. Um, I have a personal story about a situation with a really dear friend of mine. Hey, how long do we have, Tracy? Oh, I don't want to go too long. Is it like 12, 12.30? What time do we quit? I'll try to move along. So much I wanted to cover. I probably can't do all this in one thing. Okay, anyway, so this really close friend of mine, um, and actually they're revivalists. They had led revival in Mexico for many years. Pete and I had been down there ministered. It was just the glory of God, man. It was incredible, incredible people. So anyway, she gets diagnosed with um, cancer that is on her aorta in her heart. And, of course, you know, I think doctors, because there's so much they got to cover insurance-wise, and, you know, they worry about getting sued. They're just giving her the very worst. They're, they're totally not giving her hope, like, you know, going to go in there, but, you know, hate to tell you, fear to tell you, but this, this is really, really not probably going to work. So when I got the news, I'll never forget that. We were in Bass Pro or somewhere, and I just right away, I sat down, and, and I turned to God, and I said, God, what do you have to say about this? And I instantly get this vision of these tumors turning like, that, that, you know, as if they had been frozen. They turned white, and they just fell off. And I mean, it was like a fire leapt up in me. I said, you know what? That's the word of the Lord, and that's where I'm going to camp. I'm going to come back up from this. And fortunately, the group of friends, uh, the several friends with, with this couple, and um, there was like, you know, six of us that band together and uh, just really fought for this healing. And I shared the vision with them. We all grabbed onto it. And in the course of walking out this thing, um, one morning, another thing, you know, why me? I don't know. And why you or any of us? It, it's all about obedience. I, I just do what God tells me to do. And it, I'm not responsible for whether they receive it or they respond. 
I just got up one morning and God was all over me. Get them out of that area and get them to the church over here. At the time, we were going to a church in Plano, but very much had the presence of God, saw healing, all that. So I just give them the word of the Lord that I got. Well, they, it leapt. They came. Uh, we prayed for her, and I remember she went down under the power. And I don't think, honey, was it like a week or two later? Uh, the surgery was coming up really soon, but here's what happened. The doctors go in, and they peeled it off the aorta. The thing peeled off. It had no, there was no remaining cancer. I, I mean, it truly was a miracle. But I'm just saying, it's like, you know, God's ways are not our ways. And, and I'm just going, you know, God, let us never miss the, the act of obedience we have to do in order to apprehend, whether it's healing or anything else. It's all about obedience. So anyway, that's a great story. Um, my testimony, I'll touch on it just briefly because it's just too long. But mine was like I, I had gotten my tubes tied and something bizarre happened. And I don't want to put any fear on anybody that's had that done because what happened to me would probably never happen to anybody in the world. It was so bizarre and so weird. But, I mean, it literally was like it, it just sent me off inside. It was like everything was going out of orbit from my nervous system, hormones, brain stuff. I mean, it was just bizarre. And I wanted so badly to take this or take that. You know, when you're, when you're driven by fear or rather driven by pain, suffering, and, uh, and here's the other thing. When, I, when this happened to me, I learned a big lesson real quick. The first time I turned to Christians, a pretty large group for prayer, and the first thing I saw was, <gasps> I mean, it shocked me. I was like, why aren't you jumping up with faith going, no, we're going to get this thing. We're not accepting this. And, and then it was like, well, did you do this or have you gone here? I right away realized, okay, I'm going to really shrink down, you know, my, uh, my circle's going to become really small here. <laughs> because, I mean, you want people with faith. You don't want people that walk in fear and unbelief. I mean, how many times did Jesus, um, you know, he had to get doubt and unbelief out of the room? Oh, that reminds me on that story where he goes finally to, the, uh, to heal the ruler's daughter where he takes her by the hand. It says that um, there's a large crowd, and they're, like, making a lot of noise and, um, you know, banging, making music sounds or something. Anyway, he sent them all out of the house. It's like Jesus was always addressing doubt and unbelief. He didn't want it around. Well, that's kind of how it hit me with my situation. Like, I don't want you guys around. So it was, a, it was a long walk for me, and it was hard, and I'll just uh, kind of sum it up to in the very end of it how bad it got. I mean, there were days I wished I could have run my car into a wall to end the stuff I was going through because the symptoms were bad. They were real, and my husband could tell you there were nights we thought maybe we need to rush her to the emergency room, affected blood pressure. It was just bizarre. And even my doctor um, was like, Debbie, we don't know where one thing ends and the next begins with you, but uh, it got to the point where near the very end of it, I started just writing stuff down, everything I was feeling, what was going on inside me. I take it to my doctor and I could tell, she's like, can I make a copy of this? And she takes it to another doctor. And when I finally meet in the office with her, she goes, well, she says, I really think I, you need to go see a neurologist and uh, quite possibly a psychiatrist too. And it, you know, here's the thing, it's like, I had already been through so much for years, I mean, we're talking sleep deprivation. I had to be on Ambien like six years of sleep. I couldn't get more than three hours of sleep a night. And um, I can remember one time, one close friend trying to help me by bringing me a Prozac. She drove all the way from like Frisco or something. And after I took the Prozac, I was like, oh my God, I wish I had a pill to, to deal with this. 
Because everything I would take, I'd have reactions. It was, it was so God. And every time I'd turn to God after reaction or after too much pain, I thought, too much pain, he'd always say the same thing. Trust me. Trust me. Right, honey? That's all you would ever say. Well, it was a long time battle. And that day when she gave me that diagnosis, I'll never forget walking back out into the, into the room. And um, I, I mean, I literally, I could have sat down right away and been eclipsed with fear, you guys. I mean, you know, the potential is so there to go that road. But God so graciously did this very wonderful thing. I don't, there, I don't remember, I was so out of it. I don't remember seeing anybody in the room. But when I sit down, suddenly there's this man sitting next to me. And he starts talking about his war, being in the war in Vietnam, and, you know, I'm just, I'm really out of it anyway. I'm feeling horrible, and I'm looking at him, trying to listen, and he goes, you know, there was, when I was down in the foxhole, he goes, I, there was a moment there, I was in that foxhole, and he goes, I knew I was going to die. And he knew my name, he asked my name, he goes, Debbie, I just knew I was going to die. He goes, but you know what, in that moment, I just cried out to God, and I said, God, if you will deliver me out of this foxhole, I promise you, I will serve you, I will go anywhere in the world for you. He was somebody that had heard of Christ, you know, growing up through the years, but never committed his life. He gets saved through this thing. But anyway, um, God did deliver him, and I believe God sent him there that day for me, because it totally shifted me. I never went to a neurologist. I never went to a psychiatrist. I am totally healed. I'm totally whole. But you know, here's the thing I want to tell you. It's like I had to wait upon the Lord. The key in my situation, at least in that particular one, it wasn't so much about medicine and doctors. It was about waiting upon the Lord and letting him do something that didn't make sense to me. I don't know why it had to take so long. I don't know why it had to be so hard. But man, I just feel better now than I ever have in my life in so many ways of being strengthened and firmed up, you know, in faith. And in, I, I can tell that fear has been real moved out of my life where I used to have a lot more of it. And... Um, you know, it's just the thing with healing, and going back to what Kenneth Hagin teaches, it's like this thing where if we can grab on to just what God says, no matter how he walks us through it. But I believe, church, that if we will begin to just really believe the word of God concerning healing, we will see a lot less of having to go to doctors. See, the whole thing is, is that Jesus bore it all on the cross. He, it says he bore all of our sickness and all of our disease not some, not partial. He took all of it. So there's no reason for us. I mean, it's just the redemptive plan. It's the provision. And, um, you know, I mean, Kenneth Hagin would talk about that there was one guy, for example, that had the palsy. And he, everybody in the church knew about him. He had, you know, his whole, half of his face was numb. And he shows up at one of, uh, when Kenneth Hagin was there, he shows up, and, and by the way, the pastor of that church his response is, I wish I could believe that. When Kenneth laid hands on him, oh, I wish I could believe that. And he started just going on and on about how he was planning his retirement. He'd been a pastor 20, 25 years or something. But this thing that he's got, oh, you know, I, I just can't see me going on anymore, and I'm just going to retire, and I'm just going to... Kenneth just looked at him and he said, Brother, you're going to have exactly what you're confessing. You're going to have exactly that. Because when he tried to get him to, to receive by faith... He wouldn't do it. Another lady that was there, she says, whose faith is going to heal me, yours or mine? He goes, well, my faith, I know, will release the healing. He said, but your faith has to be there to receive it. He says, I can't do that for you. And so back to the guy with the palsy, he gets up in the line, and man, this guy is like, he's like, give it to me, God. 
And he walks away and, you know, and he's all excited. And so people start walking over to him and going, well, you know, they're looking at his face. and They don't see anything different. They go, well, did you feel anything? He goes, no. And they go, well, do you feel any different? He goes, well, no. And they go, well, how do you know you're healed? He goes, I know I'm healed because the word of God says it, and I'm just keeping it, and I'm not letting go of it. And so he got kind of mocked, and people made fun of him. You know, it was 10 days later, the guy was totally healed. But he didn't, he didn't let go. Another story, I'll try to be quick. I know we got to go. Um, there was this, in one of his meetings, there was a lady in a wheelchair that had had polio. And this was in the 50s, you know, and polio was so rampant. And then she had a daughter who had polio that was really young. And so he prays for the daughter. The daughter gets up and starts running around the church. She's totally healed. So he goes to pray for the mother and, you know, asks her if she'll receive her healing. She goes, oh, I wish I could, Brother Hagen. I wish I could. Like, I wish I could believe for it. And he's like, if you don't, there's nothing I can do for you. Well, apparently, uh, it was 16 years later, somebody who was uh, cleaning her house brought his tapes on the teaching. And she listened to it day after day for like two weeks. So she contacts him 16 years later, and she's totally healed. She says, I finally got it. I believed it. I just believed it. So we, I think, out of time. I could go. I got a lot more, but I think I'll just um, wait. Let me read one more story. You guys bear with me for just a minute more? Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, this one is really, this is, this is one that just really impacted me, really powerful. Oh, I hate wearing glasses. I hate it. God. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's my confession. This one is about King Asa, and it's in 2 Chronicles 2, 16 to 12. But here's a, you know, again, it's a king that had sought God. It had won wars and, you know, seen a lot of things happen because he sought the Lord. But this is a very strange turn of events. It starts in, um, where is it, verse 16? Oh, no, it's 11. Okay, starting in verse 12. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. Then in the 41st year of his reign, Asa died and rested with his father's. They buried him in the tomb that had cut out for himself in the city of David. You know, the thing that God leapt on me is, what if he had sought me, Debbie? What if he had just sought me instead of the physicians? And it's just taken me on such a journey of going, you know, God, if we would just turn to you first about anything and everything. I can remember there was one time I was healed of something very minor, but I did seek the Lord. And I woke up in the middle of the night, saw a bottle of apple cider vinegar, and I'm going, I don't even know if I have any of that, God. Get up the next morning, I had this tiny bit, but it, it took, it, it healed the problem. And I mean, sometimes it's just little things, but you know, it, God's the only one that's got the answers. Um, one more, I'll tell this very fast. This was a personal experience too, but it's, it's, it just, it's one of those stories of where there's not, where people begin to doubt. We were called by some close friends in Alabama to come out and hold a prayer vigil with families, the pastor, the church, anyways, a whole bunch of people. There's a 21-year-old young girl that was just really, really popular in her university, had everything going for her life, and she ended up with a brain tumor, which, and, you know, and it was very, very bad. Um, the prognosis was, you know, you're not going to make it. So we go out there, and we were prayed up, and 
it just it, it just seemed like everybody else was too because you walked into the room and I don't know if you guys have felt this, I have. I've been in meetings where there's even a gift of faith poured out and when there's faith, there is like, you feel like Superman rising to the ceiling. I mean, it lifts you up. And so the, the air was just charged with that. And so anyway, we pray, we fly back home, they get the report, what, a week or two later, she was completely healed. The thing had, they saw it as a shriveled up tr tumor. But here's the thing that happened. It was like a year or two later, it came back. And this can happen. And, and Kenneth Hagin shares a lot of those stories too. I mean, you have to stand on your healing. Don't ever take something back. When it tries to come back, it's the same thing as when he healed you the first time. No, God healed me. You healed me then, I'm healed now. I'm not receiving this back. Don't ever take it back. And the, the, bad, the sad thing about that was when we went back the next time, it was a totally different experience in the room, and most of it was due to the fact that, and the mother was the one that stood up and made this declaration, and hey, you're my witness, as well as several friends that we talked to afterwards that aren't even spirit-filled, by the way, but her confession was, well, even if he doesn't heal her, it's okay. And you, you literally, right? I mean, I cannot describe the depth of how, I, I mean, we felt like we hit a wall, like I don't know where to go from here. And at the time, I hadn't been taught all the things that God's taught me now regards to healing. In fact, it was one of the situations that really drove Pete and I to the Lord about, God teaches about this. I don't understand. I don't want to see these things happen. And that was what he really showed us it was. And, what, and it was interesting. I felt like he confirmed it with the friends of ours that aren't even spirit-filled called us talking about this and they said the same thing they said you know as soon as she said that it was like it was doubt it was unbelief and it was also it, it's um it's kind of like you know whatever we declare whatever we speak because our weapons aren't carnal right but they're powerful to the tearing down of every you know every stronghold they're spiritual and they're mighty but whatever we are declaring and speaking forth we're empowering it and like, if you come up for prayer, and if you, and I just want to say, please try not to do this because it's empowering the illness, it's empowering the demons. When you go on and on about either the symptoms or if you're going on and on about the doctor says, the diagnosis says, that this is, start coming up with just being filled with what God says. Just declare what His Word is saying. By His stripes you are healed. Um, where is? did I do with that? Oh. By his stripes you were healed. I felt like God said to read some of these. Healing is the children's bread. You are a new creation. All the former, once you were born again, all the former things have passed away. That's just a fact. You don't have to see it. You don't have to feel it, but you got to believe it in your heart because it's not it's not a mental, you can't get this intellectually. You guys, we got to get this in our hearts. we got to believe with our hearts, with our whole hearts, that this is the truth. This is reality. This physical world is not as real as the spirit world. I mean, God is spirit, and God created the earth, but God's word is eternal, and it's way powerful over all that's material. You're fearfully, you're wonderfully made. He himself bore our sins in the body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. I mean, it's just start, and I started doing this. I take the scriptures and I just start declaring them, decreeing them, and it's amazing how it just, it gets in you. It gets in you powerfully. Okay, I'm closing. I went too long. I'm sorry. I just had too much, too much stuff I wanted to share. 
I just, if you bear with me just a minute, I just want to read, um, these are two pages uh, uh, in uh, Kenneth Hagin's book about a testimony of a woman. Okay, so it says, while pastoring a full gospel church in north central Texas, I visited a dear woman and her husband in their home in the country. They had several children and many acres of farmland. They were wonderful people. Sister Foster had a Methodist background. She said to me, you know, Brother Hagen, my grandmother lived with us right in this very house. I remember the time someone came to town, rented a store building, and had a meeting there. Grandma was 93 years old then. My husband and I went to the meeting, and I came back and told Grandma about it. She said, sounds like old-fashioned Methodism to me. She encouraged us to go back. Okay, anyway, just to skip over this. She basically tells them, because they go, you know, she tells them to keep going and hearing this word. And... They make a comment to her about how she must have had a strong constitution because she's never been sick in 40 years. She goes, no, I accepted Christ as my healer, and I haven't been sick in 40 years. In fact, I'll have you know that I'm going to live and die without having sickness or disease in my body. You both go back and hear that. They listened to Grandma. They went back and got filled with the Holy Ghost. At 94 years of age, Sister Foster's grandmother insisted on making up her own bed, sweeping her own floor. She washed the dishes. She cleaned the house. Um, there was a, it was a big house, a lot of kids. At 94, she was washing the dishes and cleaning up the kitchen. She was still very alert. Each morning at 10 a.m., they would be done with the cleaning, so they'd go into the sewing room, and Sister Foster would darn socks, blah, blah, blah. Okay, Grandma would read the Bible. Okay, but here's the part I love. But one day at the breakfast table, Grandma said, I'm going home today. Mr. Foster, who wasn't saved then, said, well, this is your home. They thought she was getting old and senile. After the kitchen was clean, Grandma went into the sewing room with her Bible. Sister Foster sewed some of the boys' overalls while Grandma read to her. Grandma read the 21st and 22nd chapters of Revelation. She read about heaven. Then she said, I told you I was going home today. There's Jesus Whoa, glory to God, I'm going, goodbye. And she literally left. I mean, she died. It's a true story. I just, I just felt like, I mean, when I was preparing this message, I felt like God said, you know what, Debbie, read that last. And then just encourage everybody in there to let that be our testimony. Like, why not, you guys? Why not us? Why not? If we're, when we go, if we don't go in the rapture, how about we just go sit in there and Jesus appears and let's just go to heaven. We don't have to die. We don't have to be sick. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay, I really, is there time, Tracy, to just call for healing right now? I felt like God said, okay, we're going to put into practice what we just heard, because it's like I said in the beginning, Jesus went around teaching. He's always teaching on these things, and then he demonstrated, I believe God is going to do extraordinary healings this morning. I really do. When you honor him and, and preach what his word says, which is the truth, how can he not? And I felt like he said, I don't care if you have the tiniest little ailment. And here's the thing, too, you guys. If we start, if we start giving testimony to every time God appears and heals, the faith level, is, I mean, we're going to be in revival. I promise you. Begin to just come in faith, come believing, and receive by faith. Your part is just to receive. I mean, it really... It's not about the manifestation. It's not about um, how bad the diagnosis is. It's not about anything except believe by faith. Just like you believed unto salvation, 
believe by faith that you can receive healing because of the cross. And just camp out there, and let's see how fast we all get healed.